I thought your mama was gonna be all right. <laughs> be happy. I know I could have done better, but you, you gotta decide. You want to be somebody or not? And we're back. Welcome once again to another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar. We have our first category review episode with a guest today, kicking off uh, our run-up. We already had our Oscar Locks episode. We are now diving deep into the supporting actress category today with a special guest. Uh, our buddy Amanda of Swell Entertainment joins us today. I am your co-host, Mike One. This is co-host also Mike to tell you more about her. Yeah, we're extremely happy to get her back on the show, Mike. She has done three other episodes with us. She has reviewed several films from hell and she is swell <laughs> and i love those puns and rhymes uh but yeah guys make sure you follow her if for some crazy reason you are not make sure you follow amanda on her youtube channel at swell entertainment make sure you follow her at love you to golka that's l-u-v-u number two g-o-l-k-a that's on twitter and instagram and certainly go back and listen to our past episodes on the uh, Rebecca New Mutants and I think one of our favorite episodes of the year, Mike, Film Sets from Hell with Swell, where we talked about all of the craziest production stories we've ever mm. heard or studied or watched in a documentary from Hollywood lore, and Amanda told a phenomenal story about james cameron's titanic absolutely legendary and, and it's not one that i think we had heard before but uh, as for her youtube channel at swell entertainment on youtube.com there some recent videos include reviews of chaos walking which i think is another film set from hell <laughs> yeah. well, that she actually talked about on our show in that episode that mike just mentioned as well as deadly illusions uh, two of her more recent ones there's a cult on tiktok i had a conversation with her about and i was like she she has this very stressful like intro in to that video she's like hey this is literally a cult don't go to this place and so i was like ha 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 i think you want me to go <laughs> she gave me such a stern talking to she's like i know you think you're being funny but there's people that are gonna go don't go to this cult i'm like okay uh amanda's got a pension for putting me in my places you're gonna hear throughout this episode yes, thank uh, which is one of the, one I'm of the just reasons a smile so... cheshire cat wide episode. <laughs> One of the reasons we adore having her on and talking with her and cannot thank her enough, but she's uh, always been a check, not only on me and my absurdity, but on influencers in general, uh, which is something we've admired about her from well before the time that she first joined us on her first collaboration. So uh, like Mike said, if for some reason you're not a subscriber, please go over and do so. Amanda is at Swell Entertainment over on YouTube. And let's be honest with you guys. Like this is a large ask when we have a guest on one of these categories overview shows i mean we do like a mock trial episode uh, exercise why each nominee will win why each nominee uh, will not win and they have to study five movies so it's just a testament to who amanda mm. is it's a testament mm. to the fact that she's such a cinephile she loves movies so, as much as she does and it's a testament to all the the other guests we're going to get on this series and we you we have them all booked right now so it's really exciting for you and i mike that we get to talk to so many awesome people and it's and it's so exciting that amanda kicks it off and she's she's made our year with her collabs 
really has. I mean, it's, it's, we've done one Absolutely. fun one after the next. So go check those out. Go check out her YouTube channel, please. I told her she's like the uh, the little sister of MMO, and then I followed it up by saying the little, far more successful, far more talented <laughs> sister of Mike, Mike, and Oscar. Right. So, but uh, in all seriousness, as always, we cannot thank her, Amanda at Swell Entertainment, enough. Here is our conversation talking about and diving into the supporting actress category. We will see you all on the other side. All right, joining us again, Amanda of Swell Entertainment, one of our favorite guests and Army Hammer's least favorite because last time you were here, Amanda, we were talking about Rebecca, and since then, things have not gone well for Mr. Hammer. So you ended his career. I apologize. Um, (laughs) Someone had to do it. Right, I guess, yeah. You really did the world a favor, if nothing else. Apparently. We're here to talk about supporting actress in this category with these five nominees. And we're going to start uh, with the leader, question mark, in the clubhouse, I guess, Maria Bakalova of Borat Subsequent Movie Films. Here's her resume in a rundown format. She's the Critics' Choice winner in the supporting actress category. She's won 16 awards from critics' associations, including the Critics' Choice. She was nominated at the Golden Globes for in lead actress in a comedy or musical, upset and kind of a shocking loss there. She's nominated at SAG. She's nominated at BAFTA her screen time for the movie she is in it for just over 40 minutes or just over 41 percent of the total runtime of the film Michael let's start with you why is Maria Bakalova in this catbird seat well you can actually do the Oscar punditry thing and make the precursor argument for her and only her at this point Uh, Maria won the critics choice and the last 12 women who won the choice supporting went on to win an Oscar. That includes Kate Winslet, who won the supporting for the reader and wound up winning uh, the best lead actress at the Oscars. So even more than that, the last 11 women who combined won the choice and the SAG eventually also would go on to win an Oscar. So this category has been a, a sweep a, a lot of times in the last decade, mm. and she may possibly start a late-breaking sweep, I guess, if she does win this SAG. Obviously, we're recording this before the SAG, so she's got a shot, at least in terms of our old-school way of thinking. Does she get credit, Amanda, for the type of acting that she was doing in this, because it's more, I mean, how I interpret it and I, I rewatched Borat last night and I'm even more resolute in my stance. Like all acting is art, obviously, but what she's doing and keeping that character in the position she's in with those real life. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> completely. Absolutely. The antithi- the, uh, whatever that fancy word is the opposite of her. Does she get a kind of a step up for that? I mean, I'm always so uncomfortable watching these movies because it's just like, I, I'm like, as someone who has like worked in the service industry and like, I, I always think like, God, what is the person who is watching this? Like in this exact moment, like what are they going through? But I can't imagine that this is not nerve wracking for her to be able to stay in this character, improvise while dealing with these real life situations. And just be able to, because it's not just improvising, it's improvising in character, Mm. which I do think is incredibly difficult. And she's not, I mean, you as an actress, and you're just starting out, but you... she doesn't really I was have to say lot. you're giving me a lot of credit. Well, I mean, you're going through the you're going through the beginning stages at least, but she doesn't. If you're sharing a scene with someone, she doesn't have a lot to work off of. A lot of times, she's not necessarily getting much from a scene partner per se. Yeah, there's no there's no yes and here. It's just all like yeah, you gotta figure, you gotta make your own yes and. 
don't get arrested is most <laughs> yes that, that's the motivation. don't get arrested um oh try not to have giuliani take his pants off in front of you um, <laughs> all oh, tough God. asks all tough asks yeah i mean she's oh, getting she's getting like uh, in these situations where like a plastic surgeon is saying awful things to her and so many of these people the anti-abortion clinic whatever that pta meeting was i mean it's the, the de- worst never mind the debutante ball which is just a. Uh, 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 you know, oh, gathering yeah. of scumbags in this movie. So it's just like yeah. Why would up. no? Why no one said anything? I, I like as a woman, I was like, "What? You are a bunch of girls. What are you doing? <laughs> Pull one for the team. What are you doing? This is not girl code. Get up there and be like, hey, hun, come on, let's get you cleaned up. Like, be cool. <laughs> what is going on? And it's crazy because, like, Sasha Baron Cohen's been doing this for decades, right? I mean, mm. he has done this kind of prank show format for a long time since the Diali G show, obviously through the recent Showtime headlines that he made, you know, earlier this past year. But he literally, he's done it for 20 years, this high-pressure improvisational comedy. This is her first time out, and no, there's no question she's his equal in this. So it's like... Oh, absolutely. That's, I think, the biggest, you know... Uh, the biggest testament to her genius is that, she, you know, he's been making headlines for the, you know, with this kind of format for years and she goes, you know, her first time and my God, we got national headlines from her work and her ability to be this, I, I mean, I, there's no other word for it. Lion tamer to these monsters across well, from that's, her throughout the movie. Yeah, that's where I was going to, she's in legitimately dangerous situations here. Oh God. Yeah. Oh right? God. The, what was it? The, the rally for our rights that they went to. I'm sorry. Yeah. I remember seeing the footage when that was happening and just the, cause the, the riots not in this movie, like the, the mm. backlash that he got, I think it was that event. Cause he had paid for the security guards or whatever. Like they, and I had no idea she was there too. Like bad stuff legitimately happened at some of these tapings. And to have to stay in that character. And I wonder if, I, I mean, is this, Mike, you and I talk about the Academy all the time and how they're trying to be more diverse and trying to be younger and, and more in tune. I mean, this is, I feel like this isn't a performance an old stuffy white producer is going to necessarily get behind because I don't know that they can see the difficulty in that. And to, I mean, to them, it could just be a prank show, right? This would totally be an indication that the new Academy's voice is starting to get heard if she wins this Oscar. There's no question about it. And I'm oh, hoping... absolutely. Yeah, it has to, it has to be. And, and, I mean, we're going to get into our reasons why not in a minute, but certainly, like, if the Screen Actors Guild chooses this type of performance over the traditional options and the traditional nominees in this category, I mean, we're getting, we're getting a strange year that actually pivots... To something new and unprecedented and daring and that would be cool so at the end of the day if she does win i would be i would be psyched what would you guys feel yeah um i don't know i think it'll be a huge deal if she does win mm-hmm. but i mean i know we haven't really talked about why she could lose i think i'm just kind of thinking about her matched up with all these other nominees mm-hmm. and i'm just wondering if that's where the issue is going to be more than anything so because she's kind of a newer name and she's not the old, I mean, Glenn Close, we're going to get to Glenn Close, but she's clearly, I think, the name that everyone kind of knows and turns to. In yeah. This, and it's still being Oscarless and all that. So because she's up against some of these like huge other names like Olivia Coleman, who just won Best Actress a couple of years ago, she mm-hmm. could get overlooked in that way by the Academy is what you're trying to say. 
Yes, but then also I think something to consider here as well is like, I think if we looked at the Academy's track record, a lot of people choosing in the Academy don't watch all the nominations. Like I'm, there are plenty of Absolutely. people who I'm sure wouldn't sit down mm. and watch all of these movies for these categories. So, I mean, I don't, it's hard to tell because I think when there's something like uh, the subsequent movie film and mm. it's available to a wider audience, I do think that works in her favor. Now, so because it's on streaming. Hmm. Right. Yes. Now, do you think that because this was an election year, because this movie made national headlines in that election year with the pointed, you know, goal, the mission that, that the film had, do you think the, that fact alone has, I mean, because again, she's been nominated everywhere. She's been nominated BAFTA, SAG. She really hasn't missed mm-hmm. the Globe. She got the leading uh, spot, which is probably only a more, te- you know, more of a testament after the, what happened with the Critics' Choice, where she won after the Globe. So I do think she could make this delayed sweep. Do you think the industry is going to look back on, on November and, and say, like, she actually helped us? achieve our goals because it is a liberal industry let's be honest yeah but there's so many secret right-wing people in this industry too it's like they may be publicly left but you know i think privately i think Mm -hmm. there's a lot of people who are willing to overlook certain things um i mean i don't know i i think she could absolutely win but again my only hesitation is Again, I watched all these movies back to back, essentially, mm-hmm. is who else is nominated in the performances that I saw in comparison to this one. I do think her her acting, if you just look at her acting and what she was able to achieve, I think she pulled off an incredible feat. And I think she would act, she absolutely could win. I kind of echo Amanda's point, too, Mike, to answer your question about the one thing that's ancillary to all of the Oscar stuff we've talked about so far that keeps sticking out in my mind hmm. is that I don't want to use the F word this early, but that letter that that Academy member wrote to, to about a never rarely, sometimes always how it's just a crime and he can't possibly endorse that movie. He won't even get. And I can't imagine that's a singular event within the Academy. So to be, I mean, the Academy would have to be, widely liberal and inviting and i mean look she got nominated so clearly there's something there and she is nominated all every step of the way is it gonna matter as much in, because this took place in an election year and it's making a political statement i think it could matter both ways i could think it could be held mm-hmm. against her too because of like amanda said there's so many there could be so many closet right-wingers who need feel like they need to be portraying uh, a more progressive attitude to stay in the industry well i guess the fact that the betting odds, I mean, the way Vegas is reading this, nobody's nobody's longer than 10 to 1. I mean, aside for it's the, the long shot, but she's still 10 to 1, which is in striking distance. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no betting favorite in the category, technically speaking. Uh, Yoon and Bakalova are plus 150 with close at plus 350, Coleman, Coleman beyond that. So now we have a category where everybody has a chance. So... If it's a close vote, then yeah, the passion will tell the tale. Like so, the passion for her could win her this this category, and the passion against her to make I guess maybe a final point on why she could win. The passion against her won't affect her as much if the vote is split up. Mm-hmm. So we are kind of touching on the why she won't win or why she shouldn't win anyway. So let's kind of dive head first. My to kick this off or why Bakalova could not win or why she could lose. Is this just giving the Oscar to Borat 
if she if we pick her to win, like why wouldn't we have just retroactively given Sasha Baron Cohen an Oscar too for what he did the first time? Because does this performance happen without Sasha Baron Cohen blazing the trail in the first place? Once again, it's just like I I don't think that that matters here because then again it's like why would like are we just giving Mank a, a an Oscar <laughs> if we if Amanda Seyfried wins? You know, like it's. It's, I think that's kind of like, I don't want to say reductive to think of it like that. You can insult me. It's fine. It wouldn't be the first I'm time. I'm not insulting. <laughs> I just, I just don't know. Um, I don't know how that could be like a legitimate argument. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to dig at you. No, it's, it's fine. Just... It's fine. I mean, I'm, I'm glad you feel that way. Seriously. Because yeah, I... I just, I can't really think of it like, oh, she, sh- her performance is based entirely around Sasha Baron Cohen and everything like that because obviously if you're in a movie with someone and this is a format that I'm gonna I'll I'll say it he pioneered does that make her performance any less impactful or um any less impressive I guess you could say Mike do you also want to bury me and tell me how dumb I am now no I'm just kidding go ahead (laughs) (laughs) I I I believe you deserve to be most of the time but no I I I do think uh I do think I Sasha Baron Cohen, the fact that he's been so great at this and the fact that he's he's done it for decades and she's only done it the the, the once is actually a t- more of a testament to her, mm-hmm. I would say. And the fact that she can, you know, master this strange Ashton Kutcher based prank mm. show, but with high stakes and real stakes and CIA guys and FBI guys arresting you. And hopefully not shooting you. I mean, Sasha Baron Cohen's come out and said that, like, his security guard helped him, saved his life on several occasions uh, over the past few years. So I would say this. I would say that Baron Cohen's had a presence at every single award show of the precursor circuit that we know matters to Oscar voters. Do they opt to give him credit in the in the adapted screenplay category where he is a now a, a formidable challenger and that's where the credit for this movie goes i think that's possible because let's let's be honest a movie like this necessarily has never won an oscar mm-hmm. never i've never seen a satire right. that plays like borat's subsequent movie film win an oscar ever have you well no and what you're saying there i mean where do they give the credit it's something we've talked about at length, but it also kind of plays into what Amanda was saying that if there is this desire to give one of these other names credit here, then they can still reward Borat elsewhere. I think is what was that kind of what mm-hmm. you were saying, Amanda? Yeah. I mean, I, yes, yes. Essentially. I would, I just, I don't understand how, um, um, Bakalova's performance is like, I know it's Borat's movie and it's, a. Uh, Cohen's movie and he pioneered this character and I guess you uh, again like I said this type of uh movie I guess this type of satire I would say um or at least popularized it um I just think her performance is not dependent on his success in the genre if that makes sense amen <laughs> yeah I, no I agree because I think she should win for the fact that she mastered the format mm-hmm. or master or whatever she took I think it, to it I think level. it takes a lot even because she's for the most part, a newcomer, not just to this genre, but for the most part, a newcomer. So to not only be able to pull off this difficult type of of performance in this type of genre, but also to be able to hold her own in front of and beside a talent with like Sasha Baron Cohen, I think mm-hmm. that in itself yeah. is impressive. I, I would agree with you. And I think the, both of you are talking me off of uh, 
uh, my position there. But all right, Amanda. So why sh- why wouldn't she win, or why why might Bakalova fall short here? I mean, once again, I'm just comparing it to the other performances because I I know who overall I think I would want to win, and we haven't gotten to that mm-hmm. point yet, so I I won't say that. But I mean, I think just in comparison. I don't know. It's hard to say because I can't, I don't look at any of these performances and think like, oh, this is the worst actor. Like I I can't look at these performances and say that. It really is just, I don't know. I'm looking at them all individually. And so I think comparatively to some of the other performances, especially like if I put myself in the mindset of someone in the Academy who would do something like write a letter about how this go, like a film goes against his ethics. So he won't watch it. It's so, Mm. so ridiculous. Um, I don't know if she would be chosen over someone like Olivia Coleman or Glenn Close. I do wonder if the capital A acting of a Coleman and a Close in this particular year, a Yoon from Minardi, mm-hmm. we have such a strange juxtaposition to this film. Like, we, I mean, maybe that cannibalizes the vote towards the more traditional picks, I would say. And, and again, that's a, a argument for her. But I do think that comedies have not been given their due credit in this category or at the Oscars in general over their history. I mean, we had Melissa McCarthy from Bridesmaids in 2011. Abigail Breslin, I don't know if you can call that just like, I mean, it's a really funny finale from Little Miss Sunshine. But is she like the driving comedic force in that movie? Otherwise, we got satires from He Who Shall Not Be Named, Diane Weist in 95, mm. Mira Sovino in 94. And I would say like the the funniest purely comedic performance that won an Oscar the last time that really happened was Marissa Tomei in 1992 from My Cousin Vinny. So like the crass way to put it is like I don't know if 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 you describe the scenes of this movie from Maria Bakalova can she win on on those scenes like it's i mean i'm perpetually a, a sophomore comedy lover right. mm-hmm. like i laugh at this movie but do the old goats in this academy laugh at these things or do they you know put their hands up to their mouths and i, I don't know i don't know See, what credit they, they give it. i i kind of think of this because i think there's no way that this doesn't happen and maybe this is confirmed and i just don't know I wouldn't be surprised if some of the Academy members have someone on their team or whatever, and they're like, okay, just pull a bunch of their scenes together on a clip and I'll watch that. And if I break it down like that, I don't think Maria would be the pick for some people compared to the others. Could you imagine watching a highlight reel of this movie with no context? (laughs) I know. that's, that's, That's like where I'm coming from here. Like, it would just be like... Okay, I'm being insulted, but I don't know why. Like, again, like again, it seems like I, I'm just thinking there are people in the academy because I do think there are either secret right wingers in. I wholeheartedly agree just, with you that they that they would look at a movie like this and just think I am being insulted to some degree. Especially, I think mm. COVID showed us a lot of people who say they're on the left are actually idiots. So, <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Like, I, I We had a whole that, pre-production that, meeting where we were like, we're going to try to be nice. We're going to try to be friendly with everyone. And Amanda's coming out here and just firing off. I love it. Yes. And I know you guys can't see me, uh, but in my background, I have a, a pennant that says it's cool to be kind. So... <laughs> <laughs> Well, in, in the spirit of being kind, let's talk about a movie that uh, 
could have been kinder, maybe, in Hillbilly Elegy. Let's talk about Glenn Close. Sits at third right now in terms of uh, betting odds in the category. Uh, she has a resume that reads as such. She was nominated for the Golden Globes, the Critics' Choice, and the SAG. She's lacking a BAFTA nom. Uh, she also has a Razzie nom and could be legitimately the first person to ever win a Razzie and an Oscar for the same performance in the same year. She has one cool. Critics' Association win on her resume. She is in her eighth Oscar nom right now, famously has no wins on her resume, 14 Golden Globe noms, three wins, three Emmy wins, two SAG wins. Uh, she right now, like I said, sits third in the betting odds. She is in just under 20% of the Hillbilly LG runtime at just over 23 minutes. Amanda, why should Glenn Close win this Oscar? First, I would just like to say that um, something I've noticed since uh, becoming 21 and going to Vegas and everything is that a lot of adults secretly have gambling addictions because they will turn anything into a chance to bet. And so learning that people actually bet on the Oscars was genuinely <laughs> surprising to me. And I was like, and, and I later found out some people bet on The Bachelor. I'm like, oh God, okay. Everyone is secretly has a gambling addiction, but I think she'll win. <laughs> Well, you see, reality is boring, is what it is. So we got it. Yeah, the mundane <laughs> of plus thirty. Yes. Um, but no, I, I think she. I don't know. I think she really. If you watch the movie, and it's a hard movie to watch, and I spoke about this in the pre-interview about having a family member who uh, struggles with addiction, but to watch this movie that is so based around addiction, and to watch it and see her perspective as a loved one who is just trying to, I'll say, give a second chance to herself as a mother, essentially, because mm -hmm. she takes in her grandson and, you know, she's doing her best she can to make sure he at least has the option of better. I mm -hmm. think that was incredibly powerful and actually provided some much-needed empathy to this film because so much of this film needed more empathy. Mike, Mike, you and I have, have both said oftentimes that we despise this movie, but Glenn Close's performance is a bright spot in it. And I think we kind of echo what Amanda just said about the character as to why we like it now. I do not believe she deserves the Razzie. And I do uh, wholeheartedly agree with Amanda there that she she saves the movie and she's a touchstone in the movie for many of us who mm. want to help the kid, who want to, you know, uh, help the daughter, who are in a precarious position and don't act correctly. Uh, and, and I have a, I've had an addict in my family as well, Amanda. So, and, and we were talking about it. We, it. Like, yelling at the drug addict doesn't work in real life. I, my experience, I don't know uh, if it's worked uh, in, in, North uh, in New Haven or North, uh, in Ohio or whatever, but uh, it doesn't it doesn't make sense to me. However, I do think Meemaw, you know, really made a, an impact on this kid, mm -hmm. and she does. She saves the movie. And th Mike, this is the easily the worst movie we've ever reviewed as an mm -hmm. Oscar nomination, and Glenn Close is nominated from it. So that is a testament to Glenn Close and her abilities. I mean, her reaction shots feel extraordinarily real. She never repeats. A facial gesture? I mean, her talent is mm -hmm. extraordinary. I think she's better when she's bouncing off of other people in these scenes than when she's actually driving the scenes themselves because there it just feels like this is the perfect movie to channel the anger of seven Oscar losses. Yeah. 
Previous? I, think, I think that's a good so point. like if like you ask her what does a person do when they've lost seven oscars in a row and they got robbed the last time and a you know british pixie gets up there and hiccups her way through an oscar how speech in you? which she defeats how you. Dare you and it, it, oh everybody God. from connecticut you know takes these strange grudges with all these other oscar pundits from other states and yeah no mike i i feel her anger in this movie as glenn close never mind meemaw it's a meritful performance in a movie that may be more meritless. I agree with both of you. And I think it is easy to relate to. I think that's part of the reason why she's here. I, I as I always do look at it from a more chaotic and anarchist, but like the, I, I don't mind if Glenn Close doesn't win, but she can't lose to Olivia Coleman again. We, we can't, like, we can't have that. We can't, wow. we can't live, like, we can't live in a world in which the Academy is okay doing this to Glenn Close twice. We could, though. We very but. easily could. No, no, I, you, I disagree with you both. Although I did, I don't know if you caught me saying goals. It is my dream, okay, to win as many awards as possible for acting, but that includes Razzies, okay? If there is, like, worst hair in a film, I want that, okay? I want, I want all of the awards. I don't care if it's, like, some random high school in Oklahoma. They're like, hey, we want to give you an award for, like, the worst feet shots in a movie. I will take it, okay? So for her to get not only uh, a Razzie nomination for this, incredible. <laughs> and it would be so poetic. I think the Razzies are actually, I think they might be before the Oscars, but if they're not. If they're the day she, before, Mike. They're the day before. And she's winning right. that oh, Razzie. Oh, that's so, that's so <laughs> And it, I, I wanted her to show up to the Razzie stage with the Oscar in hand. I think that oh, would be yeah. beautiful. But uh, it obviously isn't possible. But like, I mean, it's 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 a it's a good performance, which is amazing. I think considering the surroundings that she had to work with within that movie, not to outwardly insult anyone. But we, you're right, Mike. We just we weren't fans of it. Amanda, were you a fan of the movie overall? No, it was very. It was hard to watch. It's just upsetting. And my my dad didn't watch it, but he just like he again he also has a family member the same as mine who is going through addiction. He was like, it's just, he called it disturbing with what he had heard about it. Cause it would, it's just upsetting to watch. Mm. And, but again with, I feel like, uh, is it Mama or Mima that they called her? Mima. 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 Yeah. I think it's there, especially when she is talking to the son, um, her grandson, you can see the frustration, but also, not just the frustration with him not getting why she's doing this, but also her own frustration with she wants to be the loving grandmother and she wants to be the one to make everything go away, but she has to be the firm hand because no one in his life is going mm -hmm. to do that for him. And just, I feel like that was an incredible performance from close in that regard. She's creating subtext, right, Mike? I mean, she's, you know, it's a movie about a fat kid eating bologna sandwiches with a mom who's uh terrible person who they just you know <laughs> characterize as a terrible person uh and then you get Mima talking about good and bad terminators so the text is she's definitely rough. the conscious yeah she's the question. conscious of the movie yeah. she gives the movie any depth that it has mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i would agree with that and it's also maybe an unfortunate year for this character to be in this category because and this is going to go towards more why she'll lose or why she shouldn't win but uh, taking our feelings about the picture overall aside i mean you have that sort of grandmother who can't be the loving and the one we all want as our grandmother, even though we do all want 
Franklin Close's grandmother, Meemaw, to be our grandmothers in certain ways, I think. But overall, mm. she's up against Yoo Jun Yoon's character, who is, I think, the more benevolent, softer, yet still incredibly strong grandmother in Minari, mm-hmm. who I think, in just a, apples to apples, I know they're completely different movies, completely different texts of the, of the film, but in my mind, if I was looking at the ballot, that might be where I shade to go. And again, I'm a crazy person, so Amanda, you can yell at me and tell me I'm dumb here again. <laughs> I'm not going to call you a crazy person because I absolutely understand where you're coming from. That if we, again, putting ourselves in the mind of the Academy, what is the average age of the Academy members? What is the average gender of the Academy? You know, like, let's Mm -hmm. look at statistically whose grandmother would you rather have as your grandmother if you're comparing those performances in that regards? And I would love to sit here and be like, no one's going to do that. But they absolutely could do that. We have no way of knowing. What would happen? You know, like, I remember, I think, like, uh, where I've seen this more often in recent uh, Academy years is uh, in animation, that category, where they're like, yeah, I I don't know what I watched. Uh, I only watched Frozen, so I'll I'll give my vote to Frozen or whatever, or whatever happened that year. And I feel like that's always the case with some of these movies. So, again, I think the problem, again, I don't, this is going on to a different person. If we're going to compare who watched what, more people probably watched Hillbilly Elegy than Minari. Mm. Mm. That's so, I mean, that could be why she could win. Yeah. I Ease don't like access. that, but I like that. Yeah. yeah. Ease of access, and then also some people just refuse to read subtitles, and I hate that about Americans. Well, I mean, that's it's entirely... That was Bong Joon-ho's. One of his speeches last year was, right. was that entire point about how if you just get over that one or two-inch text at the bottom of the screen there's a whole world of cinema that most americans especially have not privy themselves to for that reason exactly and as a dyslexic i would like to say you like it i i totally one okay i will always rave about parasite because i loved that movie i'm so (laughs) glad i saw that in theaters it was incredible okay at a certain point even as a dyslexic okay (laughs) you totally don't realize that you are reading and you just kind of, in your brain, like just hear what they're saying, even though your brain is reading it and you're not actually understanding what the words are. You are mm-hmm. immersed in the story the longer you are sitting in that in that seat. You know, so 100% don't overlook a film just because it's in a different language. Mm-hmm. Yes, I agree. And while uh, I was the only person in this world who didn't like Parasite because of the ending. It's not because of the acting. It's not because of the uh, the plot up until a certain point. I, I would I would agree with you. I wonder if the screen and screen watch along thing is is different at uh, is I, I know it's different at home. I mean, Mike, the the number of movies we've watched at home, the number of movies where we had to force ourselves to slam the laptop or to throw the phone, uh, you know, on the <laughs> counter. I mean, the fact that we've been all quarantined this year. And we've had like this is a movie you can watch in the background and like perk up when Glenn Close is going off and you could see her, you know, talents. It's it's harder to do that for Academy members with Minardi. I mean, it's harder to do that. Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. I yeah. worry. It's a fair yeah. point. It's a good point. A fair by point. All right. Well, mm-hmm. we got to get into why she could lose, though, Mike. Because God doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so we know where the line is with um, so uh, you you so you will think this is um, robbery regardless of who wins if it's not Glenn Close. No, if it's it, it, that I don't think that. I think there's there's three other options that I'm okay. I think if it comes oh, down no, I'm to, I'm intrigued to hear the rest of your opinions. 
<laughs> well, if if it's if it comes down to your choice is truly between Close and Coleman, right? I don't understand how any Academy member. I mean, they were all there. Everyone watched Glenn Close's face when Olivia Coleman's name was called a couple years ago, and she was dressed like an Oscar statue in that lovely uh, golden dress, that gown, and she just oh, had to grin and bear gosh. it. Okay, Glenn Close is not going to listen to this. I hate to break it to you. She will not let you back. Okay, you need to get over this. I, I, I adore you, but you need to understand. It is it is not about feelings. It's about performance and able to portray emotion You actually think people are okay voting for Coleman over Close? I mean, I'm not... Okay, listen. We'll get into the father next, okay? Because I personally... Compared to all of these films, I wouldn't say The Father was the best film, but it was the one that I would say, honestly, was the easiest watch for me. And that's saying something, because again, I have someone in my life with dementia. So incredibly difficult to watch, but the <laughs> easiest watch at the same time. But again, when we're comparing the performances, I, I think it's going to be a, a wash between or a tie between Glenn and Coleman. And I will honestly be surprised who wins. Mike is the wow. parent who drove me to the therapy's office where Amanda is, and I'm just laying on the couch, just spilling. And Amanda's telling me why all my life perspective is just wrong. You flipped no, over. No, I, I am. I am. I am basically Bucky Barnes's therapist in The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I am that type Excellent. of therapist. I, I'm the one who just sits there and is like, "Look, I'm not going to hold your hand. We're not doing." This. <laughs> You can I'm stay the in asshole. jail. Okay. Right. You can stay in jail or you can we can have a session right now. Yes. <laughs> I love that. Uh Mike, I've been trying to have these sessions with you all year and it's been falling on deaf ears. I've gone on like I don't have know. Have you been holding on to this since last Oscar season? Seriously? Oh my god. It's two like years it. ago and it comes up far more than it should on this show, yes. All the time. Oh my god. <laughs> I am a prisoner oh my here, God. Amanda. I have I have Stockholm syndrome at this point with this person uh, on the other line. Uh, obviously, we know who I'm referring to. So I've gone on like three or four rants about Glenn Close deserving better, not just to acquiesce to to a certain somebody here. So I, <laughs> Mike, Mike. Okay, yes. so here's where the reveal comes in. Um, we are not actually here to discuss Best Supporting Actors. We are here for an intervention about how you need to maybe get out more and uh, maybe watch other films that aren't just Glenn Close films. She should have won, damn it! She deserved to win that one! We never take these awards personally, except when... Yeah, no, my God, my God. <laughs> Yeah, no, the whole editorialize the Oscars thing, Mike, this is where the the gross underbelly, it's at the nexus of Olivia Coleman versus Glenn Close. I, I felt like my grandmother got punched in the face when Glenn Close lost to Olivia Coleman. No, she not And now mother. seeing this happen again, I'm getting like Vietnam level flat. Look, uh, cards on the table. I'll be on, I'll reveal to both. I have Glenn Close fifth by far amongst right. these five performances. Thank so you. I I am not pulling for her to win. Okay, I, just, I was going to say, how much money do you have riding on this? <laughs> well, that's going to be a different story for a different day. But, but like, <laughs> like, she's the most enticing bet here, guys. At plus three fifty in that third spot, I can't. And I mean, she has love. Look, that Sagnom. That Sagnom was a shock, Mike. I think she's got a path to win this. I think a lot of the pundits exactly, we respect. That's my point. However, but I I don't think you should be surprised if she doesn't win. <laughs> and they zoom in and heart on her face to drive it home. 
You need to be prepared for that emotionally. I hope she wears a gown this time just with middle fingers stitched all over it. <laughs> well, how are they doing the Oscars this year? Have they decided? Please tell me not Zoom. It's going to be, yeah, yeah, there's some, it's going to be in like a bunch of different locations. They're going to move, they're thinking about moving nominees and their one guest in and out to make it safer is how they're trying to sell it. That was just an article in Variety. They're throwing a lot of great money after bad right now. So it's really, it's really intelligent. No, they're having a bunch of live I'm going to be honest. If I could get, if, listen, if I was working on the Oscars, if I had the chance to catch COVID from Glenn Close, I would (laughs) run at the chance. That's going to be her next move. I would love to be able to say that I got COVID from Glenn Close. (laughs) Well, I hope she gives it to Olivia Colt now. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I'm kidding. That was a joke. (laughs) All right. Can I? Can we get back on track? I. <laughs> we could she's try. winning. She's winning the Razzie. Glenn Close is winning this Razzie. If I had a lot of who, money, who is she up against? I don't care. But the fact that the <laughs> Razzies are such PR hounds, they're such publicity hounds. They are voting her as the Razzie winner, just so that makes headlines on Oscar morning, right? Because the Razzies are happening on the twenty fourth. The Oscars are the twenty fifth. So, the, the and especially Close because there was shoot. no like cats level disaster this year. Right. I mean, I know Amanda I know. was in love I with that movie. I was devastated. <laughs> <laughs> so I loved the I loved cats. I made some people watch that with me in theaters before COVID. God, I was like. It was my favorite pastime pre-COVID, just watching the horror and the life drain from someone's eyes as cats shimmy onto screen. It was wonderful. And that mindset is telling me that I'm the crazy one, which is telling you how far gone I am. But go ahead, Mike. No, I was just going to say, I, I haven't fallen asleep in many movies. It's Sahara with Matthew McConaughey mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, Cats. And cats after drinking a Trump-sized Diet Coke, like the double, like the giant Coke. That's also concerning to me because, like, I yeah. feel like it's so horrifying that falling asleep, like, it's, you know, like when someone's arrested for murder and they say if they fall asleep in the interrogation room, like, you know, they're guilty. Like, that's what that sounds like. <laughs> like, you fell asleep I've during never, cats. I have never heard that before, but or, now I'm to start doing more amphetamines. I watch way too much crime shows. <laughs> or... Or, not to implicate myself, I was like the kid at the fireworks display who just can't handle what he's seeing and he the just shuts simulation. off. Yeah, I just shut <laughs> off, I think. I am Mr. Mr. Fafali's cat and I'm dancing and introducing myself. And then I fell asleep. I was it. Yeah, but you both would have liked the movie more if Olivia Coleman was in it, I bet. Go Absolutely ahead. Absolutely correct. Um, <laughs> Olivia Coleman could very well be going close again and I don't think it would be Olivia Coleman's fault. It's just, I'm gonna, we're going to get to it in a second, but... Glenn Close is probably in a category where, and we know from Vegas, where she could lose to anyone at this point. And mm-hmm. I don't think it's necessarily a vindictive academy if she loses to Olivia Colman. Yeah, I don't think, I don't think, like, it's, it's them being like, you know what? Screw Glenn Close. Coleman, you're the one getting it. You may I'm think happy. differently, Mike, and that's I'm fine. happy. I'm this, happy you I, both hate your grandmothers. That's cool. No. That's good wow. to know. This movie is <laughs> Well, awful. my grandmother's dead, Mike. So. <laughs> this movie smells. This movie is awful. I, I agree with, with both of your subconsciouses right now that neither of us want to be angry with our grandmothers. And this movie makes me angry with somebody's grandmother, with uh, well, J.D. Vance's grandmother here. And I shouldn't it's, be. It's not a good movie, right? I mean, that's got to be the biggest mark against it. It's and why just she, why so she hard lose. to watch. 
I want to yeah. fight this movie. If I could fight a movie, <laughs> I would fight this movie. And I don't want to fight many things because I'm a very wimpy man. But I want to fight this movie. This I would movie. lose. Oh, and your co-host are the two things that you But want. I would flail and I would get a few awkward shots. In. Yes. <laughs> this has been therapeutic so far. Can we talk about Olivia Coleman? <laughs> Please. Yes, let's. <laughs> okay, let's talk about Olivia Coleman. Or can you can you handle discussing Olivia Coleman, Mike? <laughs> I'm just going. There's going to be 30 seconds from now. I'm just going to be screaming in a monotone <laughs> into this microphone. <laughs> <laughs> Here's her resume for the season. She was nominated for the Golden Globe Critics' Choice SAG. She also lacks a BAFTA nom. She has one Critics' Association win. She has a previous Oscar nom and a win. Wonder when that was. Three Globe wins in five noms on her resume as well. She has three Emmy noms, three BAFTA wins, one SAG win, which was from the 2019 Ensemble for the Crown. She currently stands at the uh, the second longest odd. She's 8-1 to one or plus 800 in terms of Vegas betting. And her screen time with the father... She was in 35 minutes and 59 seconds of the film, or 37.12%. Okay, Amanda, your time to shine. Why is Olivia okay. Coleman going to win again? Just the, I don't know. I feel like there's always, like, when you talk about who's nominated for what, there's always, like, what's the scene that they are nominated for? Like, what's the clip they are going mm-hmm. to show when they are talking mm. about the nominations? And personally, the scene for me is when... Um, um, Oh my god, I'm forgetting her father's name. <laughs> Anthony, Hopkins. Anthony, Anthony Hopkins. Anthony Hopkins. Oh my god, it's early for me. Hi. Old um, what's his name over there? Yeah. Well, as he's talking to his potential carer and he's just been acting very collected and charming and he's like making things up as he's talking to the carer in front of uh Coleman, his daughter. Mm. And then he just turns to the carer and just starts listing off why his daughter is trying to get him to move out of his flat and why yes. she's going to take it from him and why he, he is going to outlive her and at her wake he's going to talk about how he got to keep the flat and they just close in on Coleman's face and you just see the tears welling up in her eyes and the emotion building up in her face and the frustration of I can't say anything because my father is sick and he doesn't realize mm-hmm. it, but I love him. And this is so painful and this is killing me, but I can't do anything to stop it. I can't make this better. He's not going to get better. And I think that was an incredible scene. I agree. I think what <laughs> but... you said before. No, 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 no. I'm going to actually give nothing but compliments in this statement. I think what you said before about this being the easiest to watch of these movies, I also completely agree with, despite the 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 source material, despite what's actually being talked about and shown in this movie, which is a credit both to the performances and to the screenplay itself. I also think in something else we all three of us have touched on already with the age of the Academy, with the range of the Academy, where most of the voters are in terms of age. I think this is also the most relatable of these five uh, positions. This character she plays mm-hmm. may be the most relatable because like you just said, I mean, the pain and the, the heartache that goes into having to deal with an elder family member or maybe if it's, it's even a younger family member or maybe you are the older family member suffering from dementia, having to deal with your child that, that has to make these tough decisions. You probably did it yourself once upon a time. I think it's very, very relatable. Those are all my compliments. See, I did it. I told you I could. Mike, now you talk. <laughs> the best performance in the category might be Olivia Coleman's here. It's definitely the most traditional performance, like Amanda, you were saying, where mm-hmm. you have that showcase scene where she's emotional and she's got all the nuances building up to it. So 
I, I would totally, I, I totally agree with you guys about the accessibility of this movie, which was a, a major surprise for me because mm-hmm. I almost think like there's a desensitivity or, or whatever you you're dis, desensitized to the subject matter because of the genre that they Mm -hmm. choose the father to exist in. They choose this psychological thriller genre. They have the production design that, that changes. They have the cast from the trailer that we know changes. They have the fact that you're chasing the plot in this movie and that you got circular screenwriting and narrative devices that really keep you on your toes with the emotion. Like Amanda said, it's just dripping all over. And it's so incredibly disorienting. Right. So you feel like you are living it th- with Hopkins through this. And that's where I think also the the heart comes in for it. Because you feel for him in his mm. um, frustration with it and the, the fear that comes with this. Well, we've seen throughout the history of this category, when Mike and I do our deep dives uh, into past categories, whatever, we have seen characters that are a port in the storm character whether it's comic relief like an alan arkin or whether uh, in this movie it's kind of that emotional touchstone that relief to the audience where we're in this mind of anthony hopkins and his pov is so full of sorrow and confusion and it's it's really hard to go along we get moments of reprieve because an audience surrogate like olivia coleman who we are given her pov throughout this film despite the narrative devices that are governing it we do get her point of view in many scenes where she's by herself and kind of showing us what's really happening to give us you know again the reality that we desperately need in this movie. and that's mike what you just said is why i, te- I texted you last night that the the argument of category fraud is ridiculous i don't want to hear it right. like i think olivia coleman is as much a main character a leading character in this as say daniel kaluuya is in judas and the black messiah but i, I it doesn't matter to me like it's she's still playing off if you're playing off someone you can be supporting just as well so she's got I, 11 she's got 11 more minutes than viola davis and she's got nine more percentage points of uh screen time than viola davis and ma rainey's black bottom this year so you're right there you go so yeah i, I don't i don't want to hear any arguments from from the punditry about how you know category fraud is exclusive to kaluuya only it's just i think it's just a it's a poor argument and, and dare i say a lazy one but speaking of lazy all right amanda insult me more go ahead <laughs> I'm not going to insult you more. I just think I think that I don't know who will win between Close and Coleman. But I, I think if we're talking about the safer, I, I think I think Coleman would be a safe bet if I was betting on this. Wow. So are you previewing your top five a little bit, your personal top five, by saying you have those two pretty high of these five? I, yeah, I guess. Me okay. too, Michael. But again, Me like I said too. earlier, I don't I don't think there are any weak performances of these uh, mm-hmm. performances. I think there are weak films of these performances, mm. but I don't think that is uh, added because of these performances, if that makes sense. Well, it's going to be, I mean, look, I don't think I need to speak about the latter half of talking about Olivia Coleman here. We all know why I think she could lose or should lose. So I'm, I am genuinely curious to hear the two of you make the case. I don't know who wants to start. I, uh, Mike, I guess you can you can kick it off here. Why should Olivia Coleman? why might she lose? There's no BAFTA nomination, which scared me. And again, they were wonky with how they picked their nominees. But the fact that the fathers had a really strong day at the BAFTAs and Olivia Coleman... And she's Coleman a BAFTA favorite herself, yeah. yeah is a huge favorite. So the fact that there's no imperative to vote for her in a way because she won two years ago... Uh, you know that's that's driving it but i think 
just as in terms of the pure pundit thing that that we try to do once in a while we try to pretend that we're pundits and we we really <laughs> have rationale and reasoning anyway that is is a glaring miss a glaring omission for her and it really would have been a major momentum gain if she won at the baftas like she did in 2018 my okay here here's a reason of why i think she could lose and it has nothing to do with glenn close mike so here you go so <laughs> i think we haven't talked about amanda Seyfried yet but i do think that there is a very real chance that mank is going to be the the i don't want to say I'm trying to think of the word not thorn in the side the the whiplash the 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 wrong name on the card if you will if we're going by oscars track records um because at the end of the day the academy does have an affinity for old hollywood you know and so i think that amanda seyfried in that regards again i think she's the favorite to win right now as it is and again i don't think she was my favorite performance but i don't know i think she could sneak sneak in there and the academy could just be like choose her and again, at the same time, what we've already talked about is accessibility of these films. Again, Mank and uh, Hillbilly Elegy were both on Netflix. So you think the the ease of access to the film combined with, and there is certainly no doubt, the Academy does have a penchant for flogging themselves when it comes to movies made about movies themselves. Mm-hmm. Alongside, there's obviously holes in the resumes with Mike saying, I mean, it's it's peculiar that Olivia Coleman herself, being such a BAFTA love and a BAFTA favorite, is missing when she should be there and she's hit every other precursor along the way. There's, there is a case to be made. I, I, I agree with both of you, but that's not a shock for me to say that there's a case to be made against Olivia Coleman because I hold grudges like nobody else in this industry, I think. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> okay, yeah, I would like anymore. to point out that in the uh, the write-up for this, I want the, the, the listeners to know, in the write-up for this, uh, Mike put C, <laughs> why Glenn Close should win, <laughs> for why yes, Coleman should yeah. lose. <laughs> yes, because there's a benevolent force beyond this realm which exists and believes in equity and justice. I can't believe you're, hin- hi- you're hinging your faith in a higher power I know. on this category, <laughs> this batshit lunatic crazy category that is was... us all year. We we thought about calling this supporting actress from hell with swell, Michael. At least <laughs> I did, and I'm admitting it now because I think way too long about uh, with swell puns uh, and rhymes because of my dad jokey brain. So, uh, like, I can't believe you would go this far, even in your hot takey brain. With all of with all of the QAnon conspiracies about Satanists and Hollywood, <laughs> you really want to start talking about a higher power? Come on! <laughs> I was seething watching the father the entire time because of how good Olivia Colman is. Good. I was there like very That's upset. All we wanted to hear. That's all so. we wanted to hear. <laughs> <laughs> we can transition, talk about the fourth name uh, right now in this category. We have Amanda Seyfried. Her resume from Mank reads as such. She was nominated for the Golden Globes and Critics' Choice. She is missing SAG and BAFTA. She has four Critics' Association wins in this category. She currently sits as the long shot in the category. She is 10 to 1 or plus 1,000. But like also Mike already mentioned, uh, there is nobody in this category as far as these five noms who is outside a 10 to 1 odds. And as Amanda kind of alluded to already, Amanda Seyfried was at one point the favorite in 
this category if we go back and look at the odds going into Golden Globe Sunday so it's been a lot of volatility as it is as far as her screen time in Mank she I think is the the holds the water for the lowest she's only in just over 18 minutes of the film which translates to 13.73% of the overall movie Amanda why will your namesake Amanda Seyfried why should she win <laughs> um we can only hope that I have a career like Amanda Seyfried. <laughs> um, no, I, I I will say this. I did not like Mank, okay? I thought it was tedious. I had more fun doing dishes while watching it than I did watching it. However, I will Woo! say, I'm very confused why there are, I feel like people either love Mank or they're mediocre on it. Like, there's no, I don't think anyone infinitely hates Mank as a movie. Um, however, mm. I will say every time her character came on screen, I was like, oh, thank God. Okay, something's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. It's very similar to me. I, I, I take the joke aside from it. It's very similar to me in, in what Glenn Close does. I do think Amanda Seyfried is the highlight of Mank. Mike, what do you think? She's my favorite character in Mank. And as a capital D dork who <laughs> loves to study that movie... I watched it. I don't even want to admit how many times I watched. Never mind. Say it. <laughs> it's too long. How many times did you watch it? All right. Well, now I Amanda's coming it. for blood this episode. Listen. Well, I watched it twice early. I watched it twice early, and then I watched it four times in our one film study weekend. Like we were studying it, so I just kept watching it. So that was six, and then I watched it one more time for this, and seven. Uh, I tried rewatching it for this, Mike, and, and I couldn't get through it. I couldn't get through really? the whole thing. I got, uh, I got through I got through like an hour and a half of it and I just I, I found myself getting a little bored by it I will admit I I actually was able to just power through so I don't know yeah. I, I she's my favorite character to to kind of think about in this movie that's coming out wrong again phrasing but I have I have her character having the most I'm more of a Gary Oldman guy myself but go ahead <laughs> I like I like it when he plays 45 no yeah I think uh, I think Amanda Seyfried is that character is different than the Citizen Kane portrayal. And that's where I kind of get dorky about this movie, Citizen Kane and the Orson Welles, uh, you know, Herman Mankiewicz, how they wrote the character and how she's so different in this film. So I, I love to, 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 to think about all of the uh, little changes she's made, uh, Amanda Seyfried, to a character that we, we know every single cinephile knows so well. So, I love her character for that reason. I do think you guys hit on kind of the main reason. Like, this is the big, best chance, biggest chance to reward Mank on the top of the Oscar card, right? Amanda yeah. Seyfried, is that lone hope? I would think I, I I'm would guessing. say yes. It certainly yeah. isn't Orson Welles uh, being uh, blurred into frame and then introducing himself like it's a Marvel movie. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, that, it, that certainly is not the redeeming uh, factor of this. Um, it would have to be her. I, I do think there is something to her. And, and not only being the highlight, but she is clearly playing a character. I, I don't think I've, I can remember Amanda Seyfried playing somebody who's like, she seems like she's from the 1940s, which I know is a really routine thing to say about a movie that depicts the 1940s. And that's just basically a long way of saying, boy, is that a really good actress on screen? But there's a believability mm. and authenticity to her and the way she speaks and, and the accent that she goes with here. That's like, I, I feel like it helps as much as Mank does to kind of maybe it's like we talked about with Adnan Verk, Mike, there's, there's a lack of accessibility to this movie. I think Amanda Seyfried is the one who kind of is the most inviting to the viewer or a lay person watching this for the first or second time to keep you hooked into what's going on. 
She's certainly the easiest to see on screen because they kept putting her in white outfits and the <laughs> cinematography in this movie. I'm sorry. What is it with modern movies being so dark and hard to see? Like, <laughs> they just, I don't know. Lighting of a, lighting of a scene, I think, is incredibly important, especially if you're going to do a film in black and white, okay? <laughs> and I could not make out half of these characters. Yeah, no, it's true. And it's probably working against it, especially when you... Contrast that from the Magic Hour stuff in Nomadland there, where it's going, Messerschmitt's going against, uh, you know, for the Oscar. So, yeah, I'm with you. I think uh, my cinematic memory, I think about Amanda Seyfried. When I think about Mank, I think about her, you know, peeking out of the car. I think about her, you know, raising the glass and that ironic gesture. I mean, she's sly with her performance in this. It's layered. It's got the most subtext, in my opinion. And it's, it's got the... You know, it's got the biggest scene in the film at the end. So, uh, at least to to Mank and in, in, in his dilemma. So, I I do think that uh, her performance, you know, should be a main takeaway from the movie. That, but the question is, are people thinking about that movie needing to take something away from it and reward it, award it? I don't know. Well, there is more to that too, as we can transition to talk about why Amanda Seyfried could lose. Amanda, you hit the nail on the head of what's something that Mike and I have been touching on a lot throughout this award season so far is that this movie there's just a lack of enthusiasm for it people are either really high on it or they can take it or leave it there's not a whole lot of oh my god this seems to be this is like a david fincher must see which i mike and Mm -hmm. i have talked about this as well i think personally that's kind of a letdown i was expecting more of this but does that play into why you think amanda seyfried could lose it all I think yes, because again, like I, I, it took me three attempts to watch this movie in full. And it, as early as she comes into the movie, it took me a minute to get to her spot, if that makes sense. Because mm-hmm. I kept, I made it like eight minutes the first time and I was like, I need a break. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> and so, I mean, um, I, I think there needs, because again, she's in how much of this movie we determined? Less than 14%. Yeah. Right. So again, it's like, can you sit through the other, the rest of the two hour movie to see the one bright spot of mm. it? Or let's not say one bright spot, but I mean the consistent bright spot, I guess you could say, of the film. There is something to the fact that the three of us, you know, all watch this independently and we all agree that the person who's in this for just about 18 minutes jumps out the most, which is a credit to her performance, certainly, Mike. But why is she mm-hmm. not going to end up on the Oscar stage accepting the award? Well, we we analyze the industry and we analyze the precursors and she's got a tough path mm-hmm. right now. She's really got to come out of nowhere or else. Like she's not at SAG and she's not at BAFTA and those two misses at the end of the season here. I mean, Vegas is reading it and she's a long shot in the category at plus a thousand. Now, 10 to one is not insurmountable, Michael, mm-hmm. in terms of just raw betting odds, but it is it is further away than anything we've anybody we've seen win so we're looking at we're looking at a a the longest of long shots and something truly wonky would have to happen for her to win here she's also got a she's got a a track record and it's very clear that in her career she's got a lot more opportunities coming so she's just making these high profile bookings of these uh of these new projects that are just making the trade so She's she's ready to break out in terms of an awards conversation. So I, I would guess that this academy is looking at her and be like, "All right, we can get to her. 
we can get her an award, an Oscar later. I'm guessing because she's so young, she is talented, and uh, I like to, I say that because she's my age and I think uh, my contemporary, right? I mean, a colleague, I would say. No, I, I hope I, she I hears think... this, bro. <laughs> we went to the same school, and that no, it's an inside joke because we went to the same school uh, at the same. It's an inside time. joke and between okay. also Mike and Amanda Seyfried. <laughs> No. Um, I do. I do think that she would benefit more career-wise from a snub than a win in this category. If that makes sense. Oh, that's interesting. I don't. Wow. I. I can't fully explain why. I just feel like I would hate for her to win and have Mank be the reason she won. That's exactly how I feel about Glenn Close. By the way, exactly. Really? Yes. I mean, that makes sense because, I mean, I feel like a lot of people always are like, Amy Adams continues to be snubbed by the Oscars. And it's like, well, then she needs to pick better scripts because <laughs> I'm going to tally up in great. editing how many heads you've come for in this episode. By the way. <laughs> Listen, I love Amy Adams, OK, but she needs to get I don't know who her agent is. She needs to pick better roles. Jesus. All right. She's got a couple doozies out. Uh, made in that, that year. Yeah, the year okay, before okay, the pandemic. Okay, okay, Back on Amanda Seyfried real quick before we move on. Um, <laughs> if you were to compare her to Maria Bakalova, who would win, in your opinion, if it was down to just the two of them? Take Glenn Close and Olivia Coleman and uh, Yoon out of this. Who would win? My prediction would be Bakalova in that case. I mean, Mike. It- only because of the track record would I say Bacalova. If you're talking about like merit based, who would the if you take all the in a vacuum, who would the Academy vote for? I have no idea how you compare those two performances because of what we've See, already I talked think about. Because in my brain, I'm not looking at the the track record. Because I mean, in my brain, I would love to be able to say that like Hollywood isn't all fake and paid for and all of that, and that uh, it is just based <laughs> on performances alone, and that other awards of this season mean nothing. And I can just be mad individually at each award right. when someone gets snubbed. Right. So, I mean, comparing, I'm just kind of being like, okay, because in my brain, I think this whole award and I'm not I, I've barely talked about Yoon and I don't want to discredit her performance because Minari I did cry during Minari I loved Minari yeah. but um I I just think that it's between Close and Coleman for this one and so I'm like okay let me just compare Seyfried and <laughs> Bakalova it really has nothing to do with either performance it's really just like okay let's take out the two front runners in my brain I I it's it's mm. a fascinating conversation because and it's something you are you both already talked about. I don't, I don't know. One is obviously the traditional Hollywood performance, and the other one is just anything but. So I, I don't even know where you would begin to break those two down. Well, they are in the same category. But we're talking about this kind of eschewing the Vegas odds, and we're like, who's this category coming down to? And and you guys got an opinion, and, and we each one of us has a different opinion on where you know we're going to – kind of narrow the race so i mean obviously sag's gonna say something and bafta's gonna say something but we're discrediting that because the nominations didn't translate so yeah i mean amanda you might be able to i mean not being an oscar pundit not being sullied with all those terrible stats and crossovers that mike and i talk about all the time yeah i mean you might be able to be, be reading this by the performances and you're right on whereas we're we're tarnished yeah. By our by our histories, which is <laughs> always the case. By by you guys actually doing your jobs. Meanwhile, I'm just over here like I watch some movies. <laughs> no, but you, you, your opinion matters this year more than ever because 
Yeah, the the the. I don't think the precursors are gonna be. I don't know. I don't know if consensus will build the same way. I don't know what the Academy is going to do. It's a weird year. It's hard to say. And, you know, I think, I know we haven't really talked about the Golden Globes much, uh, but I think that at least maybe I barely watched the Golden Globes. I just know it was a Zoom train wreck. And uh, (laughs) I know that Emily and Paris should have been nominated for nothing. Um, and that's just my view. So, but how they were nominated is the, one of the most corrupt things I've ever seen since U.S. politics. Awful. So, yeah. Well, the HFPA um, is I, I uh, just, its own special brand of corruption. Yeah. Yes. So I, I don't know. I just think overall for 2020 film year for awards, I, I think that my uh, view of award shows in total is just corrupted this year. I think. I like that Amanda went from calling for like the lighting person's head or the director of photography's head <laughs> to like incrementally like she's calling for Amy Adams head. And then this has just been all, like Hollywood in general. Y'all can go fuck yourself. Oh, I'll never work a day in Hollywood in my life. I moved out to LA for nothing. <laughs> if I keep this up. Yeah, and she started this episode by just literally taking off your that, Yeah, exactly. Just, that yeah, Mortal Kombat. That, that uh, whatever strength and kindness cross behind her is on fire right now, I think. <laughs> Beautiful. All right. Yoon Yu Yes, Mike. the final of this category, the the fifth, and also one of the leaders in terms of betting odds. Here is her resume for Yu Yoon Jung. Uh, no Globe nom. She was nominated everywhere else, including SAG, Critics' Choice, and BAFTA. She also has a Spirit nom on her resume. She won the most Critics' Association awards. She has 30 wins in this category on the season. She currently is tied with Maria Bakalova at plus 150 for the best odds or the closest to even odds in Vegas right now. Her screen time in Minari stands at just over 26 minutes or 22.6% of the film. Either one of you, I don't know who wants to take it, but why should Yu Young Jung win this Oscar? For as hard as... I, I love Minari as a film in total. However, it is, I want to say, frustrating to watch, if that makes sense. Um, not because I had to read subtitles, uh, but because, I mean, it's like... it. Part of it is like this marriage that's kind of in flux. And, mm. you know, th- that on top of, you know, the money issues and then trying to make a new life for yourself in America when there is the language barrier and everything like that. And so it, it's it's hard to watch in that regards. But I would say that the grandmother is such a, a not just a comedic point in the uh, film because well, I saw this in theaters, thank God. And mm-hmm. um, I would say that like no one laughed as hard watching this movie than any other line that she said because she just she's trying so hard to be a good grandmother and she just doesn't fully it just isn't fully clicking and so i think that it's just such a heartwarming performance even after the character has a stroke she is still trying you know Mm. and i think that that's incredibly heartwarming the heartwarming aspect of it is my main reason as well i don't know how people would end up voting i mean if you are in this category, you're looking at your ballot. I don't know how you end up voting for the Glenn Close grandma over the, when you have this option of Yu Young Jung, who is just, I mean, she's everything. You can't help but smile when you're watching her on screen in Minari, Mike. Yeah, this is the Alan Arkin 
performance in Little Miss Sunshine to a T, mm-hmm. right? I mean, this has heft to it because you get the back half of the film, that second distinct performance from the comic relief, from the, you know, what the, the performance opposite her grandson, David. I mean, Sunyan and mm-hmm. David, the grandma, uh, grandson, first half is, you know, like you guys say, it is a reprieve from kind of the, the, the harsh monotony tough to watchness of the film in the first star, uh, part of it so yeah it's that contrast from the meme on the bologna sandwich kid it's the contrast of that <laughs> which is now his name so and angry. legacy i'm gonna be honest i don't remember the character's name so bologna sandwich kid is real, will be how i remember stoop him. kid is afraid to leave his stoop yeah Plus, like it, like I could see the Academy again in a strange year and avoiding Godzilla versus yes. Kongness of yep. Close versus Coleman. I feel like they may just avoid that train wreck. This Yoon Yoo Jung is the safe pick in this category now. You're avoiding the politics. You're avoiding people's mehness for Mank, and you're you're basically just picking a movie that is a critical favorite. And she is the critical favorite. She has the clearest path to a victory, even though I said Bakalova before, but she obviously she's at BAFTA and she's at uh, SAG just like Bakalova. So she could win both of those, and then we're not guessing at all about who's the betting favorite on the 25th, Mike. So the fact that she's a movie star in Korea, the fact that we, we're honoring that uh, cinematic tradition uh, starting last year, the fact that she lived this movie. She lived this movie. She was an immigrant to the United States, and mm. she didn't really, and she she cut her acting career in half. Like, she went on a, a long hiatus from acting until she went back to Korea to resume her career. So this is this is a character who's lived it, who's, who's, who's uh, obviously a, you know, a powerhouse uh, in Korean cinema that we just got through nominating last year in a loaded yeah. season, in a season with a ton of, you know, old Hollywood favorites. So the fact, I think it matters. And I know some people are turned off and, and I mean, it's completely understandable that you get, I mean, we do too get frustrated by the corporateness of award season in Hollywood, but you know, the campaigns mm-hmm. matter. The political side of this, unfortunately does matter. And you young junk has been amazing in terms of everywhere she's shown up, every interview she's given, she's been as adorable in real life as she is in this character <laughs> she portrays on screen. I think that matters at some point in, in, in the midst of all of this. Yeah, I mean, I I think her performance was incredible. And then also, like you said, um, to the second half of the film after her character has the stroke after, I mean, I, I don't, it's definitely symbolic in that scene when she um, has David come lay with her, like, no, you're not going to die. I'm not going to let mm. you. And then that's the same night she has the stroke. And it really is like the the protection of a grandmother really being personified, I guess you could say, in that she, she really protected her grandson from seeing heaven in his sleep by taking on a stroke that she, he probably wouldn't have survived if, like, we want to get all technical on the, the symbolism of it all. You know, and so even that in itself is such, I don't know, the, the, so much of this movie was like, okay, there's there's a bright spot. Everything's looking up. His heart's getting better. Oh, no, everything's on fire. The money's gone. Mm. You know, like it's just so much of this movie was such a back and forth. And so for the second half of the movie to have essentially a major part of the comedic relief of the film be silent and frustrated, um and still trying her best, but still clearly frustrated over her inability to 
operate under the way she used to, I just think is incredibly powerful. Just you describing those scenes, I could feel my chest tightening and like getting all welled up and stuff. Like mm-hmm. I'm thinking about my grandma. My, my it's a great yeah. movie. It's just so, oh gosh. Yeah, I was crying. I don't cry much in movies anymore because COVID has made me heartless because people are <laughs> awful. <laughs> no, you seem very sensitive and very people person-y with how much you're yelling at me today. <laughs> no, I'm kidding, of course. Uh, well... Do you have anything else for why she'll win, Mike, or do you want to transition here and we could talk about why she may fall short? I'm ready. I'm ready to. All transition. right. So what do we have? Why might you, Young June, kind of fall by the wayside and come up a little bit short to one of these other four nominees, Michael? Well, putting the pundit hat on one more time here, sh- this performance in, in a movie that is the critical pick, right? That is the, I don't know, this slightly international pick. This never wins, rarely wins, let's just say, because... Emmanuel Riva and uh, uh, Marina Di Tavera and uh, Isabel Huppert. I mean, we've seen international actresses nominated for a first time in this category uh, up against names, and we've seen them be the nice to be nominated pick. We've mm. seen them be, you know, in this friend zone, Oscar friend zone, and it is as rare for an Oscar friend zone nominated everywhere but not winning. It's as rare for the critical pick to get out of that friend zone as it is a film critic to get out of the friend zone um, as they always are in in perpetuity in their regular personal lives. So <laughs> that's a long way to get to that joke. Now you're um, on the therapist couch, I now think. Now I'm on the therapist couch and I'm throwing fire and Swell got me going. I, I just, I just, I've seen this performance get nominated a hundred times and lose at the end of the day. And I've mm. seen pundits pick it throughout the season always just like they did in, in this season and it never comes to the podium so you're saying basically it would be too much of a radical shift for the academy to end up actually picking this as the win well i mean we, we could talk about all the reasons for why maybe the academy members didn't watch this movie right oh right? yeah you know yeah. again we this is the whole argument or maybe that, you know, it's, it's too literary of a film and it's not necessarily uh, that we don't have the imperative to, to vote for Yoon because we have the fact that it's, it's such an amazing story that she's nominated here, Paul Racy style. Even in this year, we find, we find these narratives all the time and they could still avoid, they could still avoid Coleman close and just go with Bakalova and Seyfried, like, like Amanda said earlier. I think that's a good point. Amanda, what do you have? Why might you, Young June, fall short? Um, gosh. Uh, the same reason that it was put in foreign language in the Golden Globes. Like, mm. Hollywood's ridiculous. Mm, yeah. And uh, There's something to Again, that. there is, you know, I, I think that... I don't want to say that there is an apprehension against foreign language films because this isn't a foreign language film, but, you know, I think to some degree there is still an annoyance with certain people in the Academy, like the same way that, you know, Netflix has kind of swooped in on a word season and everything. You know, I think there is an apprehension of losing the old way of Hollywood, essentially, and Though this is an American film, it's literally about the American dream. I do still think that there are people who see this as an attack on American ideals because people are ridiculous. 
that is fascinating. So you really do you you think there's I mean, you would know you're out in L.A. and you're you're in the industry in a couple of ways. But you think there is just a lot of fraud, let's say a lot of public facing personas aren't who they are in private when they can fill out a ballot with nobody watching. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think that's the case with anyone. I'm from Orange County. Everyone, I mean, yeah. I think that's like we flipped blue only like in 2016 in Orange County. But I mean, I think that there are plenty of people who online or on Facebook will say whatever the heck they want and then, you know, go and vote a different way. But I mean, as far as the, this performance goes, when you're uh, comparing Yoon again to some of the 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 well-known names by the Academy, if you just want to look at it from that regards, I don't think they, she would be someone, this performance would be a pick. Well, there's, I mean, there's merit. I, look, clearly, if you go by the betting odds, there is no favorite right now. Nobody really knows, even the experts. Nobody knows what's going to happen. The fact that there's nobody beyond 10 to 1, the fact that the two leaders in this category right now are both plus 150. One of my goals, as much as Amanda's goals, is to, like, regulate me and get me out of the house in this episode. <laughs> One of my goals is to turn her into a gambler, and her and Mike both. So if that's slowly I'm going to keep working these odds in for the rest of this episode that we have. But, all right, let's put a cap on this. We've gone through all five nominees here. We've talked about you and Coleman, Close, Seidfried, Bakalova. Let's rank them ourselves. Let's talk about our personal preference of ranking these five. I already said, just as a means of starting off, I have Glenn Close fifth, but actually on my copy, she's like 394th. I'm that against Close winning for this movie, for this performance. So uh, what about each of your number fives? Amanda, you go first. So who should definitely not win is our five, correct? Correct. Mm -hmm. Okay. Your opinion. I mean... Again, I don't want to give Mink. I, I just, I'm doing this because I don't want Amanda Seyfried to win. At my homegirl, Amanda. Okay, I don't want her to win because of Mink. <laughs> I'm putting her at five. I, I refuse to do this to her and give her the win from Mink. Makes sense, Michael? Yeah, my home skillet, Glenn Double N. <laughs> I, uh, I can't. I can't pick her here because I want better for her. Yeah. I, uh, as I've always say. Yeah. And I, I want her to win for the remake of Sunset Boulevard or maybe let's get her Oscar grabbiness out of her system with these two movies, mm-hmm. with this one and the whatever she's doing in that Mila Kunis trailer. God help us. <laughs> let's get that out of her system in this pandemic year. Then let's get a packed house post pandemic let her dress up like an Oscar again and let her get the award and we will we will dance the dance of a Glenn Close win here in Connecticut in the future because I believe Glenn Close will win later on. But yeah, my number five. I happen to agree with you. I share also Amanda's sentiments about Amanda Seyfried being a little lower on my list. She is my number four. Amanda, who is yours? Um. Oh, gosh. This is bad because I don't want to put Yoon low, but I mean, I'm just thinking mm. about the odds of Hollywood. You know what? I'm going to put Maria as four. I'm sorry. I'm doing it. Ooh. I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm really just thinking of less who I want to win and more of their, uh, the Academy's willingness. So I'm putting Maria at four. Shots fired until the very bitter I'm end by sorry. Swell Entertainment. I, Maria, if you if you hear this, let's go out for drinks. Um, I will apologize. It's a top five. It's right. It's a best of the best. It's a creme de la creme. Yeah, right? I, I'm not criticizing any of these performances, and I want to make that very clear. I am speaking of yeah. this strictly from a third party perspective. 
The and only not. people Amanda is criticizing are me and Amy Adams in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> no, technically I'm criticizing That's Amy correct. Adams' management because they need to offer <laughs> Okay. Very good. Mike, number four. It is Yoon Yoo Jung. I, I do think that her performance is, is great in that film, but I, I just, I, at the end of the day, I like three better, I, I like three performances better. So I, I, that's all I'll say. Minari, she's she's my fourth and who should win right now. I noticed neither of you have talked about Olivia Coleman yet, which is getting me a little angry and annoyed, but uh, she is my three. I, I'll be honest, listening to you both make the case and how high I was on the father overall, I had a tough time with these top three. I still might rearrange them before the Oscars come, but oh, I'm right now Coleman mm-hmm. is my number three. Amanda, who do you have? I'm going to put Yoon. I have to go with uh, Seyfried, and I'm changing what I have written down here because I've been going back and forth on this all week, and I've been rewatching these, and I, I got to go Seyfried. Unfortunately, it's it's a character I enjoy, but uh, I just uh, I just I have to I have to opt for the other two. Fair. I. I'm debating whether or not I want to change my two and one right now. As oh my go gosh, you guys are one. cheating. I'm doing this on the spot. You guys already pre-chose these. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are cheating. Well, we're going against our pre-chosenness. Yeah. I'm, I, I'll stick with it as I have it. I, I had Yoon as my number two, and that's where I'll keep her. But after talking about her and after Amanda bringing up those scenes and like just getting all frecklemped here on air, I was like, <laughs> uh, I want to put her one, but I'll stick with her two, Amanda. Who do you have? Okay, I'm going to put... Oh, God. See, now that I'm thinking about it, see, this is why I should have wrote these down, because now I'm putting close and that seems too high for her. But I do think that if we're looking at the at the two performances that I have yet to say, I think it's going to be mm-hmm. down between Coleman and Close. So I'm going to put Close at two. Wow. Ah. I, <laughs> I know you're mad. Wow. It's fine. I'm never. So uh, Mike, Mike and Oscar listeners, um, I will be signing off after this. They will not be having me back. I will not be. <laughs> <laughs> What are you talking about? You're going to take my spot. Most of our listeners agree with Mike, you. Mike, Manda, and Oscar. Yeah, no, I could see. I could fix the uh, brain. As long as it's not Mandy, we're good. <laughs> good. Mike, number two. All right. I just, in my brain, like, I don't know what I'm going to say right before I'm going to say something here, but I'm going to put Olivia Coleman as my number two. Uh, I think this is consistent with what I've said all season, even though I had Coleman in my number one spot earlier today, never mind uh, this week. So I I love these top two performances and uh, Olivia Coleman. I don't want her to hurt Glenn that much. (laughs) Is that your only reasoning? That's the only one that matters, Amanda. (laughs) You said earlier today it was different. So was that the only reasoning was because you've listened to uh, Coleman slander for most of this podcast. <laughs> well, to be fair, before we hit record today, I put Coleman in the three spot. I'm moving her up to two, mm-hmm. uh, and I, I. So no, I don't. Uh, it's not just Coleman slander, but I have to deal with this guy <laughs> over here for the rest of forever. And I can't. Yeah, I can't do that to him. I can't do that to Glenn Double N. I can't do it. It's all downhill once you have animated uh, logos made of each other. That's right. <laughs> Illustrated oh. logos, I guess you can say. Animated is not the word. You're not wrong. You're not Boy, wrong. Boy, I have been beat up this episode. Um, <laughs> my number one, obviously, uh, the only name I haven't mentioned, Maria Bakalova. But I, I reserve the right. I feel very 
unsure about having her at number one right now, even though that's how I listed uh, in the pre-production. But uh, Amanda, who's your number one? And do you have any feelings about changing anything? I mean, I'm putting Coleman, but again, at, at this, honestly, everything that we have talked about, I genuinely can say that I can't like like I'm gonna watch the Oscars or I'll I'll, I'll hear about it the next day. It depends how they decide to do it because if it is Zoom, I'm not gonna put myself through that. Because um, I just I don't have I I I've been in Zoom classes. I don't want to watch it on TV. Um, I had no I watched a a Zoom. Uh, table read the other day and it was the most frustrating thing i've ever had to watch i don't want to watch a zoom reward show so um i will say i'm putting coleman at number one but i can't say that i'm gonna watch the oscars and be surprised by who wins like i i truly think that any one of these nominees could win mm -hmm. but i've also think mm -hmm. we've given a lot of reasons of why any of them could not win so i really mm. think that I mean, I shouldn't say I won't be surprised who wins, but I, I think that it literally could be any of them at this point. Agree with you. Mike, number one. If I'm writing the Glenn Close movie, I would like the villain Olivia Coleman to win again. <laughs> and Glenn Close in the third and final act has to defeat her in an even crazier Oscar But doesn't that mean that house? All About Eve needs to be remade with Olivia Coleman in it? And Glenn Close, and they're both nominated <laughs> in the same movie. Yeah, I agree. Oh my god! Uh, I don't know how that works, but that uh, that could that should be, uh, or uh, whatever, uh, whatever happened to Baby Jane? Can you imagine that they just lean into the rivalry? See, you know, see, both see, you're you're getting way too into this because I'm just picturing <laughs> one of you wearing a, a Team Close shirt and another wearing a Team Coleman shirt. Like this is Team Edward versus Team Jacob. Like that's yeah. where Not, my yeah. brain is going. Yeah, you're not that far off from how we usually do things in person. So you're getting, yeah, you're getting way too into this. Should be our new model, really. But I, I I'm going with Bakalova, like Mike. I, but I'm going, I'm going with her for a different reason. Obviously, it's just such a different kind of performance that I think is a high degree of difficulty. And I'm, I'm so taken with uh, the fact that she was able to do what she did there. But uh, yeah, I think. It wouldn't be a Mike, Mike, and Oscar podcast without putting this category in a Coleman and Close <laughs> perspective <laughs> at this point. Well, uh, we can let Amanda go now. She was more than nice enough to try and help me both on an emotional and mental level. I don't know how successful it was, but no, in all seriousness, I've been Amanda, very one of petty our favorite this episode. I don't know what's going on. It could just be that it's not even 11 a.m. yet, and I've had one cup of coffee. It could be that. <laughs> Well, then we need to have you, you on early awesome. in the morning more often because I loved it. I love right. when you come with, with nothing but fire and rage. You fit right in. Talk radio goddess in this episode. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you very much for joining us once again, buddy. We'll, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye. Always love having Amanda on. Very grateful for her. I know she's uh, got a very busy schedule, but... It's weird. She never seems too busy to yell at me, but that's fine. No, thank I cannot goodness. think. I cannot think. I need it. I do. Somebody need it. should. <laughs> thank Amanda enough for joining us. Uh, she is awesome as always. Once again, we gave you all her socials in the intro. We will do so on the outro as well. But the main part is definitely go follow her over on Swell Entertainment over on YouTube.com. Uh, Michael, we can hit on some snubs before we give the outro to this episode. Right. I think we're going to share some here, but I. I wanted to do a few deep cuts because I feel like 
We've had a year where supporting actress has been a, a vexing category for us. And for me, really, it's because I've enjoyed a lot of performances by, by some young actresses, by some actresses breaking through in the business. Talia Ryder from Never Rarely, Sometimes Always. Mm. Uh, Zainab Ja from Farewell Amour. They were very impressive in those two films. Uh, Shira Haas from Asia. Uh, Asia pronounced uh, Asia, I believe. Uh, she she's from unorthodox, and uh, she blew me away in in that performance. And and finally, my last two, Samantha Shu Chin Ko from A Sun, a movie that I've been trying to recommend to anybody who will listen. Yeah. And Essie Davis, very high on my list this year from Baby Teeth. Those are kind of the deep cuts, Mike. You're going to probably touch on a few that have made a dent in award season, even though they got snubbed out of the final five. Yes, and it's all names that we've uh, talked about in, in one aspect or another because they have been prevalent throughout award season thus far. Jodie Foster, maybe the biggest name with the biggest resume that missed out here, the Mauritanian there. She mm-hmm. was the Globe winner. Uh, Elena Zangle, we've talked about from News of the World. Also Globe, SAG, Choice, Best Child Actor nominees. Ellen Burson, you've heard us talk about at length from Pieces of a Woman. Dominique Fishback for Judas, Judas and the Black Messiah. Uh, Kosar Ali from Rocks. Rocks had a huge impact on BAFTA's nominations up and down their card there. Uh, Hanye Ree from Minari, Valerie Mahaffey from French Exit, uh, Talia Ryder, Olivia Cook from Sound of Metal. The names go on and on. It was a big year uh, for supporting actresses, but as always, the Oscars and the Academy needed to whittle it down to five, and these were the five that uh, we talked about and were focused on for the most part, in spite of there being other contenders that probably uh, were just as equally worthwhile as some of the names here. It's a deep field this year. It really was, even though we, we had a strange odyssey with the category. I'm glad that it culminated in such a rousing episode today with Amanda from Swell. Like, like there was no other there was no other way to end supporting actress on at least our coverage at this moment than than this episode. This was one of my favorite to record. Oh, I mean that blast. wholeheartedly and just seriously. <laughs> Amanda's hilarious. It was an absolute blast. Absolute blast indeed. Uh, always love talking to Amanda. If you would like to look up her stuff, she is as Swell Entertainment on YouTube. She is at Love You Two Golka L U V U number two G O L K A mm-hmm. is where you can find her over on Twitter as well. Uh, always thankful to have her on and it is wise for you to follow her. I think they take the, the words out of Mike's mouth to say that as our words of wisdom for this episode, mm-hmm. uh, as far as what you can do for us, as always want to hear your thoughts, any comments, questions, concerns you have about the supporting actress category or anything else we do here in the MMO empire. You can leave us those on our social medias as well. We are Mike, Mike and Oscar on Facebook and Instagram at MM and Oscar on Twitter, Mike, Mike and Oscar at gmail.com.com. And on Reddit, we are available everywhere you hear podcasts. And if you are listening to us on the Apple podcast app, if you would be so kind as to tap on our cartoon faces, leave us a five-star review, then go over to Amanda's channel and leave her a positive comment as well on YouTube. Uh, that would truly make both of our days. Uh, it wouldn't take much out of yours. Michael, what is coming next from us? And do you have any other words of wisdom to add on top of it? No, you're, you're wise to say follow Swell Entertainment. I would like to mention the rest of our programming, though, because we got a lot of great shows booked right now with, with fun guests, with big name guests like Amanda. So that's crazy. Why were, Again, the bums won, Mike. The bums won. <laughs> they didn't lose in this instance. Uh, we, we have uh, Oscar race checkpoints to come reacting to all of the remaining precursor award shows. We do a big Screen Actors Guild reaction show that we'll have for you next. Next, 
Uh, then we're going to have two more category pods for you guys next week. I think we're going to try and do three episodes for the next three weeks. So that'll have a BAFTA DGA show to kick off uh, the, the week after this one. And then, of course, we will uh, have a, a final preview from somebody whose name rhymes with final in a way, or alliterative with final. We, we hope to have that interview for you guys to kick off Oscars week. <laughs> and we will have a Fallout episode after the Oscars. We will have a gambling preview to predict the Oscars. We have all of these specials that we do every year. Like, this is this is the sweet spot of our programming. There's no question about it. We, we do it every year. We build up to it. It's, it's a fun way to have... Uh, a season and to, to have like a month of shows that we always look forward to truly a sprint. And uh, if you're looking for stuff for what we might get into after the Oscar season uh, films with Amy at films with Amy, Amy Smith, one of our buddies on film Twitter there just tagged us in something that Margot Robbie was quoted as saying, there's a 20 hour cut of once upon a time in Hollywood that exists. <laughs> so we're going to be diving into that. No question. We're going to uh, do a live commentary point. of that. Yes. <laughs> Guys. Uh, once again, our thanks to Amanda, uh, our buddy there. Love talking to her. But when reality sucks, you can come dive deep into these categories with us and our friends. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make award season year-round without the stuffiness. We will see you very soon. See you.